Hey guys, uh, Happy New Year. I just wanted to let you know that unfortunately, um, I just got back from a holiday and I was spending some time with one of my parents and she decided to uh, join me in the reading. And so you might hear her for a tiny little bit at the beginning. Um, and the rest of the time you will hear my other birds and my children open and close doors and fight just hopefully just a tiny little bit in the background um i usually try to record this after they go to bed but i figured you guys needed an update so enjoy the next chapter sunday october 26 9 p.m another email from josie rocks this one went josie rocks hi mia I just saw the ad for your interview. You look great. Sorry I can't tell you who I am. I'm surprised you haven't guessed by now. Now stop checking your email and get to work on your algebra homework. I know how you are about that. It's one of the things I like best about you. Your friend? Okay, this is going to drive me insane. Who could it be? Who? I wrote back right away. Pat Louie. Who are you? Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. A lot of times the question marks, by the way. I was hoping that I would get the point across, but he so totally did not write back. I was trying to figure out who I know who knows that I always wait until the last minute to do my algebra homework. Unfortunately, though, I think everyone knows it. But the person who knows it best is, best of all, is Michael. I mean, doesn't he help me every day with my algebra homework in GNT? And he's always chastising me for not putting my carryovers and straight enough lines and all of that. If only Josie Rocks were Michael Moskowitz. If only, if only, if only. But I'm sure it isn't. That would simply be too good to be true. And really excellent things like that only happen to girls like Lana Weinberger, never to girls like me. Knowing my luck, it will totally be that weird chili guy or... Some guy who breathes through his mouth like Boris. Why me? Monday, October 27, GNT. Unfortunately, it appears that Lily is not the only one who noticed the ads for tonight's broadcast. Everyone is talking about it. I mean, everybody. And everybody says they're going to watch it. Which means by tomorrow, everyone will know about my mom and Mr. Giannini. Not that I care. There is nothing to be ashamed of. Nothing at all. Pregnancy is a beautiful and natural thing. Still, I wish I could remember more about what Beverly and I talked about. Because I am sure my mom's impending marriage is not all we discussed. And I'm totally worried that I said other stuff that will come off sounding stupid. I have decided that I should look more closely into that homeschooling idea. Just in case. Tina Hakim Baba told me that her mother, who was a supermodel in England before she married Mr. Hakim Baba, used to get interviewed all the time. Mrs. Hakim Baba says that, as a courtesy, the interviewers would send her a copy of the tape before it aired. So if she had any objections, she could straighten them out before the thing was broadcasted. This sounded like a good idea. So at lunch, I called my dad in his hotel suite and asked him if he could get Beverly to do that for me. He said... Hold on. And asked her. It turns out Beverly was right there in my dad's hotel room on a Monday afternoon. Then, to my utter, utter mortification, Beverly Bellarive actually got on the phone and said, What's the matter, Mia? I told her I was still pretty nervous about the interview and that was there any chance I could see a copy of it before it aired? Beverly said a bunch of stuff about how adorable I was and how that wouldn't be necessary. Now that I think about it, I can't remember exactly what she said, but I just got this overwhelming feeling that everything would be just fine. Beverly is just one of those people who make you feel good about yourself. I don't know how she does it. No wonder my dad hasn't let her out of his hotel room since Saturday. Two cars one going north at 40 miles per hour 
and one going south at 50 miles per hour leave town at the same time. In how many hours will they be 360 miles apart? Why does it matter? I mean, really. Monday, October 27. Bio. Mrs. Singh, our biology teacher, says it is physiologically impossible to die of either boredom or embarrassment. But I know that isn't truth because I'm experiencing heart failure right now. Sorry. That is because after GNT, Michael and Lily and I were walking down the hallway together since Lily was going to psych and I was going to bio and Michael was going to calc, which are all right across the hall from one another. And Lana Weinberger walked right up to us right up to Michael and me and held two of her fingers and waggled them at us and went, Are you two going out? I could seriously die right now. I mean, you should have seen Michael's face. It was like his head was about to explode. He turned that red. And I'm sure I wasn't that pale myself, all that pale myself. Lily didn't help by letting out this giant horse laughing going, as if, which caused Lana and her cronies to burst out laughing. I don't see what's so funny about it. Those girls obviously haven't seen Michael Muscovitz with his shirt off. Believe me, I have. I guess because the whole thing was so ridiculous and everything, Michael just kind of ignored it. But I'm telling you, it's getting harder and harder for me not to ask him if he is Josie Rocks. Like, I keep trying to find works. Where, uh, ways to work Josie and the Pussycats into the conversation. I know I shouldn't, but I just can't help it. I don't know how much longer I can stand being the only girl in the ninth grade who doesn't have a boyfriend. Homework. Algebra. Problems on page 135. English. Quote, make the most of yourself for that is all there is of you. Unquote. Ralph Waldo Emerson. Write feelings about this quote in journal. World Civ. Questions at the end of chapter 9. GNT. Nothing. French. Plan an itinerary for a make-believe trip to Paris. Biology. Kenny's doing it. Remind mom to make appointment with licensed geneticists. Could she or Mr. G be a carrier for the genetic mutation Tay-Sachs? It is common in Jews of Eastern European origin and French Canadians. Are there any French Canadians in our family? Find out! Monday, October 27, after school. I never thought I would say this, but I'm worried about Grandmare. I am serious. I think she has officially lost it. I walked into her hotel suite for my princess lessons today, since I am scheduled to have my official introduction to the Genovian people sometime in December. And Grandmare wants to be sure I don't insult any dignitaries or whatever, and guess what Grandmare was doing? Consulting with the Royal Genovian event planner about my mother's wedding. I am totally serious. Grandmare had the guy flown in all the way from Genovia. There they sat in the, at the dining table with this huge sheet of paper stretched in front of them on which were drawn all these circles as to which Grandmare was attaching these tiny little slips of paper. And she looked up when I came in and said in French, Oh, Amelia, very nice. Come, sit down. We have so much to discuss, you, Vigo, and I. I think my eyes must have been bulging out of my head. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I was totally hoping what I was seeing was, you know, not what I was seeing. Grandmare, I said, what are you doing? Isn't it obvious? Grandmare looked at me with her drawn-on eyebrows raised higher than ever. Planning a wedding, of course. I swallowed. This was bad. Way bad. Um, I said. Whose wedding, Grandmare? She looked at me very sarcastically. Guess, she said. I swallowed some more. Uh, Grandmare, I said, can I talk to you for a minute in private? But Grandmare just waved her hand and said, 
Anything you have to say to me, you can say in front of Figo. He has been dying to meet you. Figo, Her Royal Highness, the Princess Amelia Mignonette Grimaldi Rinaldo. She left at the Thermopolis. She always does. Figo jumped up from the table and came rushing over to me. He was way shorter than me, about my mom's age, and had on a gray suit. He seemed to share my grandmother's perchant for purple, since he was wearing a lavender shirt in some kind of very shiny material, along with an equally shiny purple tie. Your Highness, he gushed, the pleasure is all mine. So delightful to finally meet you. To Grandmere, he said. You're right, madame, she has the Ronaldo nose. I told you, did I not? Grandmere sounded smug. Uncanny. Positively, Vigo. Vigo made a little picture frame out of his index finger and thumb and squinted at me through it. Pink, he said decidedly. Absolutely pink. I do so love a pink maid of honor. But the other attendants will be in ivory, I think. So, Diana, but then Diana was always so right. It is really nice to meet you, I said to Vigo. But the thing is... I think my mom and Mr. Giannini were kind of planning on having a private ceremony down at the city hall. Grandmare rolled her eyes. It is very scary when she does this because a long time ago she had black eyeliner tattooed all around her eyelids so she wouldn't have to waste valuable time putting on makeup when she could be, you know, terrorizing people. Yes, I heard all about it. It is ridiculous, of course. They will be married in the white and gold room at the plaza with reception directly afterwards in the grand ballroom, as befits the mother of the future regent of Genovia. Um, I said, I really don't think that's what they want. Grandmere looked incredulous. Why ever not? Your father is paying for it, of course, and I have been very generous. They are each allowed to invite 25 guests. I looked down at the sheet of paper in front of her. There were way more than 50 slips of paper in front of her. Grandmare must have noticed the direction of my gaze, and she went, Well, I, of course, require at least 300. I stared at her. 300 what? Guest, of course. I could see that I was way out of my depth. I was going to have to call in for reinforcements if I hoped to get anywhere with her. Maybe, I said, I should just give Dad a call and run this by him. Good luck, Grandmare said with a snort. He went off with that Bellerive woman, and I haven't heard from him since. If he is not careful, he is going to end up in the same situation as your algebra teacher over there. Except it's totally unlikely Dad would be getting anybody pregnant since the whole reason I was his heir instead of some legitimately produced offspring is that he is no longer fertile due to the massive doses of chemotherapy that cured his testicular cancer. But I suppose Grandmary is still in denial about this, considering what a disappointing ear I've turned out to be. It was at this point that a strange moaning noise came out from under Grandmare's chair. We both looked down. Romel, Grandmel's miniature poodle, was cowering in fright at the sight of me. I know I am hideous and all of that, but really, it's, it's ridiculous how scared this dog is of me. And I love animals. But even St. Francis of Assisi would have a hard time appreciating Rommel. I mean, first of all, he has recently has developed a nervous disorder, if you ask me, it's from living with such close proximity to my grandmother, that made all of his fur fall out. So Grandmere dresses him up in little sweaters and coats so he won't catch a cold. Today, Rommel had on a mink bolero jacket. I'm not even joking. It's was dyed lavender to match the one slung across Grandmare's shoulder. It is horrifying enough to see a person wearing fur, but it is a thousand times worse to see an animal 
wearing another animal's fur. Ramel, Grandmary yelled at the dog, stop that growling. Except that Ramel wasn't growling. He was moaning, moaning with fright at the sight of me. Me? How many times in one day once must I be humiliated? Oh, you stupid dog. Grandmere reached down and picked Romel up, much to his unhappiness. You could tell her diamond brooches were poking him in the spine. There was no fat on him. Since he doesn't have any fur, he's especially, especially sensitive to pointy objects. But even though he wiggled free, she, she wouldn't let go of him. Now, Amelia, Grandmere said, I need your mother and whatever his name is to write their guest names and addresses down tonight so I can have the invitations messengered tomorrow. I know your mother is going to want to invite some of those more, um, free-spirited friends of hers, Mia, but I think it would be better if perhaps if they stood outside with their reporters and tourists and waved as she climbed in and out of the limo. That way, they'll still have a feeling of belonging, but they won't make anyone feel uncomfortable with their unattractive hairstyles and ill-fitting attires. Grandmere, I said, I really think... And what do you think about this dress? Grandmere held up a picture of a bare wang wedding gown with a big poofy skirt that my mom wouldn't be caught dead in. Bigo went... Oh, no, no, your highness. I really think this is more the thing. Then he held up a photo of a slinky Armani number that my mom similarly wouldn't be caught dead in. Uh, Grandmare, I said, this is really nice of you, but my mom definitely doesn't want a big wedding. Really? Definitely. Poof, Grandmare said. Poof, it's a French for no. Duh. She will, when she sees the luscious hors d'oeuvres we'll be serving at the reception. Tell her about them, Vigo. Vigo said with relish. Truffle-filled truffle mushroom caps, asparagus tips wrapped in salmon slivers, pea pots stuffed with goat cheese, endives with crumbles of blue cheese. Inside each gently furled leaf, uh, I said, Grandmare? No, she won't. Believe me. Grandmare went. Nonsense. Trust me, Mia. Your mother is going to appreciate this someday. Vigo and I will make her wedding day an event she will never forget. I had no doubt about that. I said, Grandmare, Mom and Mr. G were really planning on something very casual and simple, but then Grandmare threw me one of those looks of hers. They are really very scary, and said in this deadly serious voice. For three years, while your grandfather was off, having the time of his life fighting the Germans, I held those Nazis, not to mention Mussolini, at bay. They lobbed mortars at the palace doors. They tried to drive tanks across my moat, and yet I persevered. Through sheer willpower alone. Are you telling me, Amelia, that I cannot convince one pregnant woman to see things my way? Well, I'm not saying my mom has anything in common with Mussolini or Nazis. But as far as putting up the resistance to Grandmere, I place my money on my mom over a fa fa fascist foreign dictator any day. I could see that reasoning wasn't going to be effective in this particular case. So I went along with it, listening to Vigo gush over the menu he had picked out, the music he had selected for the ceremony and later for the reception, even admiring the portfolio of the photographer he had chosen. It wasn't until they actually showed me one of their invitations that I realized something. The wedding's this Friday? I squeaked. Yes, Grandmere said. That's Halloween, the same day as Mom's courthouse wedding. Also, incidentally, the same night as Shamika's party. Grandmere looked bored. What of it? Well, it's 
just, you know, Halloween. Vigo looked at my grandmother. What is this Halloween? he asked. Then I remembered they don't go in for Halloween much in Genovia. A pagan holiday, Grandma replied with a shudder. Children dress up in costumes and demand candy from strangers. Horrible American tradition. It's in a week, I pointed out. Grandma raised her drawn-out eyebrows. And so? Well, that's so, you know, soon. People, like me, might have other plans already. Not to be indelicate, your highness, Vigo said, but we do want to get the ceremony out of the way before your mother begins to, uh, well, show. Great. So even the Gen Royal Genovian event organizer knows my mother is expecting. Why doesn't Grandmere just rent the Goodyear blimp and broadcast it all over the tri-state here? tri-state area. Then Grandmare start, started telling me that since we were on the topic of weddings and all, it might be a good opportunity for me to start learning what will be expected out of any future concerts I might have. Wait a minute. Future what? Concerts, Vigo said excitedly. The spouse of the reigning monarch, Prince Philippe Isquin's Elizabeth concert. Whomever you choose to marry, your highness might will be your consort. I blinked at him. I thought you were the Royal Genovian event organizer, I said. Vigo not only serves as our event organizer, but he is also the royal protocol expert, Grandmere explained. Protocol? I thought that was something to do with the army, Grandmere rolled her eyes. Protocol is the form of ceremony and etiquette observed by foreign dignitaries at state functions. In your case, Vigo can explain the expectations of your future consort, just so there won't be any unpleasant surprises later. Then Grandmere made, made me get out a piece of paper and write down exactly what Vigo said so that she informed me in four years when I am in college and I take it into my head to enter into a romantic liaison with someone completely inappropriate, I will know why she is so mad. College? Grandmere obviously does not know that I am being actively pursued by would-be consorts at this moment. Of course, I don't even know who Josie Rocks' real name, but hey, it's something at least. Then... I found out exactly what consorts have to do, and now I sort of doubt I'll be French-kissing anyone soon. In fact, I can totally see why my mother didn't want to marry my dad. That is, if he ever asked her. I have glued the piece of paper here. Expectations of any royal consort of the Princess of Genovia. The consort will ask the princess's permission before he leaves the room. The consort will wait for the princess to finish speaking before speaking himself. The consort will wait for the princess to lift her fork before lifting his own at mealtimes. The consort will not sit until the princess has been seated. The consort will rise the moment the princess rises. The consort will not engage in any sort of risk-taking behavior, such as racing, either a car or boat, mountain climbing, skydiving, etc., until such time as an heir has been provided. The consort will give up his right in the event of annulment or divorce to custody of any children born during the marriage. The consort will give up the citizen of his native country in favor, or in favor of citizenship of Genovia. Okay, seriously, what kind of dweeb am I, am I going to end up with? Actually, I'll be lucky if I can get anybody to marry me at all. What schmuck would want to marry a girl he can't interrupt or can't walk out on during an argument or has to give up citizenship of his own country for? I shudder to think that, to think of the total loser I will one day be forced to marry. I am already in mourning for the cool race car driving, mountain climbing, skydiving guy I could have if it weren't for this whole crummy princess thing. Top five worst things about being a princess. 
One, I can't marry Michael Moscovitz. He would never renounce his American citizenship in favor of Genovian. Two, can't go anywhere without a bodyguard. I like Lars, but come on, even the Pope gets to pray by himself sometimes. Three, must maintain neutral opinion on important topics such as the meat industry and smoking. Four, princess lessons with grand mare. Five, Still forced to learn algebra, even though there is no reason why I would ever have to use it in my future career as a ruler of a small European principality. Monday, October 27, later. I figured as soon as I got home, I would tell my mom that she and Mr. G needed to elope and right away. Grandmare had brought in a professional. I knew it would be a pain, what with mom's latest show opening being so soon and all. But it was either that or a royal wedding, the likes of which this city has never seen since, well, ever. But when I got home, my mom had her head in the toilet. Turns out her morning sickness has begun, and it isn't, all a, it isn't at all exclusive. She'll throw up just about any time, not just in the morning. She was so sick, I didn't have the heart to make her feel worse by telling her what Grandmare had planned. Be sure to put a video in, my mom kept calling from the bathroom. I didn't know what she was talking about, but Mr. G did. She meant to be sure to tape my interview. My interview with Beverly Vellerive. I had completely forgotten about it in light of what happened at Grandmare's, but my mom hadn't. Since my mom was incapacitated, Mr. G and I settled in to watch my interview together. Well, in between running into the bathroom to offer my mom seltzers and saltines. I figured I would tell Mr. G about Grandmare and the wedding at the first commercial break, but I sort of forgot in the unbelievable horror of what followed. Beverly Bellarive, undoubtedly in an effort to impress my father, actually did messenger over both a videotape and a written transcript of the interview. I will enclose parts of the written transcript here so that if I'm ever asked to do another interview again, I can look at it and know exactly why I should never allow myself to appear on television ever again. 24-7 for Monday, October 27. America's Princess, Beverly Villarive, interview with M. Brinaldo. Exterior, Thompson Street, south of Houston, Soho. World Trade in background. Beverly Villarive. Imagine, if you will, an ordinary teenage girl. Well, as ordinary as a teenage girl who lives in New York City's Greenwich Village with her single mom, acclaimed painter Helen Thermopolis, can be. Mia's life was filled with the normal things must teenagers live. Lives are full of homework, friends, and the occasional F in algebra. Until one day it all changed. Interior of penthouse suite plus a hotel. Mia... May I call you Mia, or would you prefer that I call you Your Highness or Amelia? Um, no, you you can call me Mia. Mia, tell us about that day, the day your life as you know changed completely. Well, um, what happened was, my dad and I were here at the plaza, you know, and I was drinking tea, and I got the hiccups, and everybody was looking at me, and my dad was, you know, trying to tell me I was the heir to the throne of Genovia, the country where he lives. And I was like, look, I got to go to the bathroom. And so I did. And I waited there until my hiccups stopped. And then I came back to my chair and he told me that I was a princess and I completely flipped out and I ran to the zoo and I sat and I looked at the penguins for a while and I totally couldn't believe it because in the seventh grade, they made us do fact sheets in all the oh, countries in Europe. But I totally missed the part about my dad being prince enough. And I could think, what was I going to do if I die? And all I could think was that I was going to die if people in school found out because I didn't want to end up being like a freak, like my friend Tina, who has to go around school with a bodyguard. But that's exactly what happened. I'm a freak, a huge freak. This is the part where she tries to salvage the situation. Oh, Mia, I can't believe that's true. I'm sure you're quite popular. No, I'm not. I'm not popular at all. Only jocks are popular in my school and cheerleaders, but I'm not popular. I mean, I don't hang out with the popular people. 
I never get invited to parties or anything. I mean, the cool parties where there's beer, making out and stuff. I mean, I'm not a jock or a cheerleader or one of the smart kids. Oh, but aren't you one of the smart kids, though? I understand one of your classes is called Gifted and Talented. Yes, but see, G&T is just like a Saudi hall. We don't actually do anything in this class, except for goofed around because the teacher's never there. She's always in the teacher's lounge across the hall, so she has no idea what we're doing, which is goofing off. Obviously, still thinking she can make something out of this interview. But I don't imagine you have much time for goofing off, do you, Mia? For instance, we are sitting here in the penthouse suite that belongs to your grandmother, the celebrator, celebrated Dowager Princess of Genovia, who is, I understand, instructing you in royal decorum. Oh, yes, she's giving me princess lessons after school. Well, after my algebra interview sessions, which are after school. Mia, didn't you have some exciting news recently? Oh, yes, well, I'm pretty excited. I've always wanted to be a big sister, but they don't really want to make a big deal out of it. You know, it's just going to be a very small ceremony in City Hall. There's more. A lot more, actually. It's too excruciating to go into. Basically, I just babbled like an idiot for about another 10 minutes while Beverly Bellarive frantically attempted to steer me back towards something resembling the actual question that she'd asked me. But I was, it was completely beyond even her impressive journalistic abilities. I was gone. A combination of nerves and, I'm afraid to say, coating cough syrup. It put me over the edge. Miss Beverly Reeve tried, though. I have to give her that. The interview ended with this. Exterior, Thompson Street, Soho. She's not a jock, nor is she a cheerleader. What Amelia Mignonette Grimaldi Thermopolis Ronaldo is, ladies and gentlemen, defies the societal stereotypes that exist in today's modern educational institutions. She's a princess, an American princess. Yet she faces the same problems and pressures that teenagers all over this country face every day. With a twist. One day she'll grow up to govern a nation. And come spring she'll be a big sister. Yes, 24-7 has discovered that Helen Thermopolis and Mia's algebra teacher, Frank Giannini, who are unmarried, are, expected their first, are expecting their first child in May. When we come back, an exclusive interview with Mia's father, the Prince of Genovia, next on 24-7. What it all boiled down to is that, basically, I'm moving to Genovia. My mom, who finally came out toward the end of the tape, and Mr. G, tried to convince me that it wasn't that bad. But it was. Oh, believe me, it was. And I knew I was in for it the minute the phone started ringing right after that segment aired. Oh God, my mother said, suddenly remembering something. Don't pick it up. It's my mother, Frank. I forgot to tell my mother about us. Actually, I was kind of hoping it was Grandma Thermopolis. Grandma Thermopolis was infinitely preferable, in my opinion, to who it actually turned out to be. Lily. And boy, was she mad. What do you mean calling us a bunch of freaks? She screamed into the phone. I said, Lily, what are you talking about? I didn't call you a freak. You basically informed the entire nation that the population of Albert Einstein High School is divided into various socioeconomic cliques and that you and your friends are too uncool to be in any of them. Well, I said, we are. Speak for yourself. What about G&T? What about G&T? You just told the entire country that we sit in there and goof off because Mrs. Hill is always in the teacher's lounge. What are you, stupid? You've probably gotten her in trouble. I felt something inside of me clench, as if someone was squeezing my intestines very, very tightly. Oh, no, I breathed. Do you really think so? Lily just let out a frustrated scream, then snarled. My parents say to tell your mother, Musseltoff. Then she slammed the phone down. I felt worse than ever. Poor Mrs. Hill. 
Then the phone rang again. It was Shamika. Mia, remember how I invited you to my Halloween party this Friday? Yes, I said. Well, my dad won't let me have it now. What? Why? Because thanks to you, he's under the impression that Albert Einstein High School is filled with sex addicts and alcoholics. But I didn't say that. Not in those exact words, exact, anyway. Well, that's what he heard. He's currently in the next room surfing the internet for a girl's school in New Hampshire so he can send me to, so he can send me there next semester. And he says he's not letting me go out with a boy again until I'm 30. Oh, Shamika, I'm so sorry, I said. Shamika didn't say anything. In fact, she had to hang up because she was sobbing too hard to speak. The phone rang again. I didn't want to answer it, but I had no choice. Mr. Giannini was holding my mom's hair back while she threw up some more. Hello? It was Sina Hakim Baba. Oh my gosh, she shouted. I'm so sorry, Tina, I said, figuring I better just start apologizing to every single person who called right off the bat. Sorry? What are you sorry for? Tina was practically hyperventilating. You said my name on TV. Um, I know. I had also called her a freak. I can't believe it, Tina yelled. That was so cool. You, you, you are, you're not mad you're not you're not mad at me why should i be mad at you this is the most exciting thing that's ever happened to me i've never had my name said on television before i was filled with love and appreciation for tina hakim baba um i asked carefully did your parents see it yes they're excited too my mom said to tell you that the blue eyeshadow was a stroke of genius not too much just enough to catch the light. She was very impressed. Also, she said to tell your mother she has some excellent stretch mark creams that she got in Sweden. You know, for when she starts getting big. I'll bring it to school tomorrow and you can give it to your mother. What about your dad? I asked carefully. He's not planning on sending you to girls school or anything. What are you talking about? He's delighted that you mentioned my bodyguard. Now he thinks anyone who's had planned to kidnap me will definitely think twice. Oops, there's another call. It's probably my grandmother in Dubai. They have a satellite dish. I'm sure she hit you. She heard you mention my name. Bye. Tina hung up. Great. Even people in Dubai saw my interview. I don't even know where Dubai is. The phone rang again. It was Grandmere. Well, she said. That was just terrible, wasn't it? I said, Is there any way I can demand a retraction? Because I didn't mean to say that my gifted and talented teacher doesn't do anything and that my school was full of sex addicts. It's, it's not, you know? I cannot imagine what that woman was thinking, Grandmare said. I was pleased she was on my side for once. Then she went on, and I saw that she wasn't talking about anything to do with me. She failed to show a single picture of the palace, and it is at its most beautiful in the autumn. The palm trees look magnificent. This is a travesty, I tell you, a travesty. Do you realize the promotional opportunities that have been wasted here? absolutely wasted. Grandmare, you have to do something, I wailed. I don't know if I'm going to be able to show my face at school tomorrow. Tourism has been down in Genovia, Grandmare reminded me, ever since we banned cruise ships from docking in the bay. But who needs day trippers with their sticky film cameras and their awful Bermuda shorts? If that woman had only shown a few shots of the casinos and the beaches, why we have the only naturally white sand along the Riviera. Are you aware of that, Amelia? Monaco has to import their sand. Maybe I could transfer to another school. Do you think there's a school in Manhattan that will take someone with a 1.0 in algebra? Wait. 
Grandma's voice became muffled. Oh, no. There we are. It's back on, and they're showing some simply lovely shots of the palace. Oh, and there's the beach, and the bay. Oh, and the olive groves. Lovely. Simply lovely. That woman might have a few redeeming qualities, after all. I suppose I will have to allow your father to continue to see her. She hung up. My own grandmother hung up on me. What kind of a reject am I, anyway? I went into my mom's bathroom. She was sitting on the floor looking unhappy. Mr. Giannini was on the edge of the bathtub. He looked confused. Well, who can I blame him? Who can blame him? A couple of months ago, he was just an algebra teacher. Now he's the father of the future sibling of the Princess of Genovia. I need to find another school to go to from now on, I informed them. Do you think you could help me out with that, Mr. G? I mean, do you have any pool with the teacher's association or anything? My mother went, oh, Mia, it wasn't that bad. Yes, it was. You didn't even see the most of it. You were in here thrown up. Yes, but I could hear it. And what did you say that wasn't true? People who excelled as sports have a traditionally been treated like gods in our society, while people whose brilliance is cerebral are routinely ignored, or worse, mocked as nerds or geeks. Frankly, I believe scientists working on cure for cancer should be paid the salary professional athletes are receiving. Professional athletes aren't out there saving lives, for God's sake. They entertain. And actors... Don't tell me acting is art. Teaching. Now there's an art. Friends should be making what Tom Cruise does for teaching you how to multiply fractions the way he did. I realized my mother was probably delusional with nausea. I said, well, I think I'll be going to bed now. Instead of replying, my mother leaned over the toilet and threw up some more. I could see that in spite of all my warnings about the potential lethality of shellfish for a developing fetus, she'd ordered jumbo prawns and garlic sauce from number one noodle son. I went to my room and went online. Maybe I thought I could transfer to the same school Shamika's father is shipping her off to. At least then I'd already have one friend. If Shamika would even speak to me after what I'd done, which I doubted, no one at Albert Einstein High, with the exception of Tina Hakim Baba, who was obviously clueless, was ever going to speak to me again. Then, an instant message flashed across my computer screen. Someone wanted to talk to me. But who? Josie Rocks? Was it Josie Rocks? No, even better. It was Michael. Michael, at least, still wanted to talk to me. I have printed out our conversation and stuck it here. Cracking. Hey, I just saw you on TV. You were good, Pat Louie. What are you talking about? I made a complete and utter fool of myself. And what about Mrs. Hill? They're probably going to fire her now. Cracking. Well, at least you told the truth, Pat Louie. But all these people are mad at me now. Lily's furious. Cracking. She's just jealous because you had more people watching you in that one 15-minute segment than all the people who've ever watched all of her shows put together. Fat Louie. No, that's not why. She thinks I've betrayed our generation or something by revealing that cliques exist at Albert Einstein High School. Cracking. Well, that and the fact that you claim you don't belong in any of them. Fat Louie. Well, I don't. Cracking. Yes, you do. Lily likes to think you belong to the exclusive and highly selective Lily Moskowitz click. Only you neglected to mention this, and that has upset her. Fat Louie. Really? She said that? Cracking. She didn't say it, but she's my sister. I know the way she thinks. Fat Louie. Maybe. I don't know, Michael. Cracking. Look, are you all right? You were a mess at school today, although now it's clear why. That's pretty cool about your mom and Mr. Giannini. You must be excited. Fat Louie. I guess so. I mean, it's kind of embarrassing, but at least this time my mom's getting married like a normal person. Cracking. Now you won't need me to now you won't need my help with your algebra homework anymore. 
You'll have your own personal tutor right there at home. I have never thought of this. How awful. I don't want my own personal tutor. I want Michael to keep helping me during GNT. Mr. Giannini is all right and everything, but he's certainly not Michael. I wrote really fast. Fat Louis. Well, I don't know. I mean, he's going to be awfully busy for a while, moving in, and then there'll be the baby and everything. Cracking. God, a baby. I can't believe it. No wonder you were winging out so badly today. Fat Louis. Yeah, I really was. Wigging out, I mean. Cracking. What about that thing this afternoon with Lana? That couldn't have helped much. Though it was pretty funny, her thinking we were going out, huh? Actually, I didn't see anything particularly funny about it. But what was I supposed to say? Gee, Michael, why don't we give it a try? Asked if. Instead, I said, yeah, she's such a head case. I guess it's never occurred to her that two people of the opposite sex can just be friends with no romantic involvement. Although, I have to admit, the way I feel about Michael, particularly when I'm over at Lily's and he comes out of his room with no shirt on, it's quite romantic. Cracking. Yeah, um, listen, I, what are you doing Friday night? Was he asking me out? Was Michael Moskowitz finally asking me out? No, it was impossible. Not after the way I'd made a fool of myself on national television. Just to be safe, though, I figured I'd try for a neutral reply in case, of, in case what he wanted to know was whether I could come over and walk Pavlov because the Moskowitz were going, out of, going to be out of time or something. Fat Louis. I don't know. Why? Cracking. Because it's Halloween, you know. I thought a bunch of us could get together and go see the Rocky Horror Picture Show over at the Village Cinema. Okay, not a date. But we'd be sitting beside each other in a darkened room. That counted for something. And Rocky Horror is sort of scary, so if I reached over and grabbed him, it might be okay. Pat Louie. Sure, that sounds... Then I remember Friday night was Halloween. Then I remember Friday night was Halloween, all right. But it was also the night of my mom's royal wedding. I mean, if Grandmare gets her way. Fat Louie, can I get back to you? I may have a family obligation that evening. Cracking. Sure, just let me know. Well, see you tomorrow. Fat Louie, yeah, I can't wait. Cracking. Don't worry. You were telling the truth. You can't get in trouble for telling the truth. Ha! That's what he thinks. There's a reason I lie all the time, you know. Top five best things about being in love with your best friend's brother. Number one, I get to see him in his natural environment, not just the school, thus allowing your access to vital information like the difference between his school personality and real personality. Two, get to see him without a shirt on. Three, get to see him all the time. Four, get to see how he treats his mother, sister, housekeeper. Critical clues as to how he will treat any prospective girlfriend. Five, convenient. You can hang out, hang out with your friend and spy on the object of your affections at the same time. Top five worst things about being in love with your best friend's brother. One, I can't tell her. Two, can't tell him because he might tell her. Three, can't tell anyone else, be else because they might tell him or worse, her. Four, he will never admit his true feelings because you are his little sister's best friend. Five, you are continuously thrust into his presence knowing that he will never think of you as anything but his little sister's best friend for as long as you live. And yet, You continue to pine for him until every fiber of your being cries out for him and you think you are probably going to die, even though your biology teacher says it's physiologically impossible to die from a broken heart. Tuesday, October 28th, Principal Gupta's office. Oh God, no sooner had I set foot in home, co 
homeroom today than I was summoned to the principal's office. I was hoping it was so that she couldn't make sure I'm not carrying any contraband cough syrup, but it was more likely because of what I said last night on TV. Particularly, I would guess the part about how divisive and click-ridden it is around here. Meanwhile, all the other people in this school who have never been invited to a party given by a popular kid have rallied around me. It's like I've struck a blow for dweebs everywhere or something. The minute I walked into school, today, the hip-hoppers, the brainiacs, the drama freaks, they were all, hey, tell it like it is, sister. No one's ever called me sister before. It is somewhat invigorating. Only the cheerleaders treat me that way they always have. As I walk down the hall, their eyes flick over me from the top of my head all the way down to my shoes, and then they whisper to each other and laugh. Well, I suppose it is amusing to see a five foot nine flat chested Amazon like myself roaming loose in the halls. I'm surprised no one has thrown a net over me and hauled me off to the Natural History Museum. Of my own friends, only Lily and Shamika, of course, aren't entirely thrilled with last night's performance. Lily's still unhappy about my spilling the beans about the socioeconomic division in, of our school population. Not unhappy enough to turn down a ride to school in my limo this morning, however. Interestingly, Lily's chilly treatment of me has only served to bring her brother and I closer. This morning in the limo, on the way to school, Michael offered to go over my algebra homework with me and make sure my equations were all right. I was touched by his, his offer, and the warm feeling I had when he pronounced all my problems correct didn't have anything to do with pride, but everything to do with the way his fingers brushed against mine as he handed me a piece of paper back to me. Could he be jealousy rocks? Could he? Uh-oh. Principal Gupta is ready to see me now.